We're talking about the South. Hello, welcome in to the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. Great to have you back as we get a whole new week of accentuating the South under our belt. We have an action-packed show. Want to welcome you in on our great stations across the South and carry us. Want to welcome in all of you who tune us in each and every day, courtesy of our podcast options. And we've got some breaking news on the Y'all Show podcast that we'll share with you in just a bit. So hang on for that great news. I'm John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern. And General John Rawl is just tickled that you have taken down to be with me here as we get this whole week talking about the South. Recently, we're going to have to mix in a couple of coaches here in this first hour of the Y'all Show. So get ready, get set, because we're going to go to the SEC Media Days, which was recently held in Hoover, Alabama, and Eliah Drinkwitz is the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. And we're going to hear this very, very sophisticated Mizzou coach talk. And he's a funny guy when a microphone gets put in front of him. And you're going to get to hear Coach Drinkwitz, and you're going to get to hear the guy that will be coaching the Florida State Seminoles for his second full season in 2021. And that's Mike Norvell, who came over to Tallahassee from Memphis. And so the Tigers coach turned Seminoles coach. We'll be hearing him this hour as part of our Southern sports coverage. And then we're going to get back on the tour of the South's colleges as later this hour, we're going to have our Southern College Football Spotlight. This hour, it's on the Baylor Bears. We're going to let you hear from the coach of the Bears, and that's Dave Aranda. Remember, he was part of that 2019 magical run of the LSU Tigers as he served as the Bayou Bengals defensive coordinator. That was good enough to give him the head coach job at Baylor after Matt Rule took off from Waco for the bright lights of the Carolina Panthers. And now Aranda enters his second full season coaching the Baylor Bears of the Big 12. He was recently at the Big 12 Media Days. We've got some audio on him there at that day. Of course, the Big 12 and the SEC have been in complete upheaval in the last few days as a result of potential conference expansion and more. So before all that madness started in Arlington, Texas, Aranda talked about his 2021 edition of Baylor football. And we'll hear from the coach now on the y'all show today and we'll also let you know more about his roster and what you can expect out of the Baylor Bears which played for a Big 12 title just two years ago and will the Bears have a season this year that they will find themselves back in Arlington we'll walk through their schedule we'll have a lot of fun talking about Baylor Bears football in hour number one and hour number three we will continue to talk about Baylor but we'll more focus about the university, how it moved from a place near College Station to Waco back in the 19th century, and also discuss what is happening at Baylor today. We'll let you know about some of the famous alumni of this historic college in Texas, and we'll walk through some of the great traditions, that good old Baylor line, all those traditions and more that you'll find in Waco, Texas at Baylor University. All that is part of our special spotlight of the Baylor Bears today on the All Show. Now, 
as I mentioned, we've gotten behind a little bit, so we got to do a little catch-up here this week. We weren't able to do a show just the other day. So as a result of that, in our effort to catch up and get back on schedule as we're on a 44-city tour across the southeast, we're going to mix in an hour number two more of our college football tour. So we're going to stick into hour number two, a spotlight on the Louisville Cardinals. And we'll actually be hearing from their very, very good senior linebacker, C.J. Avery, the Grenada, Mississippi native. You'll get a chance to hear him. I'll let you know more about what the Louisville Cardinals are expected to do in 2021, some of their famous alumni, and, of course, some of the great traditions of the U of L. all that sandwiched into Hour 2 of today's Y'all Show. Before we get to Hour 2, as we close up this first hour of the Y'all Show, we'll also squeeze in a little Southern history. And we've got some Revolutionary War history coming from the Palmetto State that we'll squeeze in, plus some civil rights history of note, all that coming up at the end of this first hour. As I said, in hour two, we're going to talk about the Louisville Cardinals, but we'll also be joined by our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, as Jerry has just had a little romantic getaway to the Pelican State, and he's going to be checking in from the road as he and his wife celebrate a wedding anniversary this week. Congratulations to the Shorts. We're going to find out exactly what the romantic Jerry Short did to honor his wife as they celebrated their wedding vows with a anniversary. And we'll find out what exactly you can do in romantic Louisiana. And it's going to get rather spicy when Jerry Short checks in hour number two. We also have a southern accent on food coming our way in hour number two. Hour three. In addition to talking about the great traditions of the Baylor Bears, we will have a sports update with more continuing coverage of some of these recent media days as we, again, are trying to catch up from having been off for two days the previous week. So we're going to go back to a couple of these media days as SEC Media Day was held. We have not heard yet on the Y'all Show from the man himself, Nick Saban. And so in hour number three, we're going to play some of the audio that Nick Saban said in front of the media when they gathered at the Winfrey Hotel. We'll have that. Plus, we'll be talking or listening, rather, to University of Alabama alumnus David Cutcliffe, head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, as he was just at the ACC Media Days in Charlotte. So it's Duke and Alabama featured in the start of our third hour with our coverage of college football coaches getting you ready for the start of the season. More on Baylor University, their traditions and more. And then also in Hour 3, more headlines coming in from across the southeast. Plus, a look at what's ahead on the Y'all Show for the remainder of the week. All that right here with the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent available on radio stations, but also available if you are listening to us on one of our mighty fine radio stations and you miss out on a portion of the show, well, you're in luck. We're available in podcast form. You can go check us out at y'all.com, the South's homepage. And in addition to being the big, beautiful red and white box there at the top of y'all.com that you can click on and find out what's going on with this show in podcast form or watch some of our great video interviews that we do here at the Y'all Show. In addition to all that, we're also available in podcast form, absolutely free of charge in the Apple Podcast app the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, the Stitcher app, and brand new this past weekend, we officially premiered on Spotify. So you can now listen to the Y'all Show 
on one of the more popular apps out there for listening to music and podcasts, Spotify. And Spotify has gone southern thanks to the Y'all Show being added as a podcast there. So go on there and really all you have to do in Spotify is do a little search for Y'all, Y apostrophe A-L-L. And when you do that, our beautiful red and white and black logo pops up a actual modify. We we actually have tweaked our Y'all Show logo a little bit now that we've added Spotify. So go check it out and and subscribe to it, and you'll be set to listen to our show each and every day that we come out with a new episode. And it's, again, it's all free, and it's our honor and privilege to provide you a show that's three hours long, and it's all about the South. And as part of our coverage of the South, we have to go through some of the events of the region. So let's start off with some news of note here. And we're in to this July-August time period, and it's the dog days of summer. So let me go ahead and tell you, as we're rolling in to new months, and the summer is almost, uh, I guess, halfway over by this point, and, and fall and the leaves and all that will be falling soon enough. Let me tell you, though, that a heat advisory has been issued for much of the south here as we're expecting the next couple of days to feel like temperatures over 100 degrees. The feel-like temp across much of the south heading into the middle to end of this week, pushing around 103. And Thursday, the feel-like temp for much of the south expected to be 108 degrees in certainly the Mid-South, but really for much of the South. So as a result of that, let me tell you, courtesy of the Weather Forecast Office of the National Weather Service, some of the dangers of extreme heat. You can have heat exhaustion. You can have heat stroke. And what are the differences? Well, with heat exhaustion, you might start to feel a little dizzy or faint. That combined with a heat stroke where the symptoms are a throbbing headache or confusion. A heat exhaustion symptom includes excessive sweating where a heat stroke, there's no sweating involved. With heat exhaustion, you feel cool or pale or you have that clammy skin skin going on. With a heat stroke, your body temperature goes above 103 degrees and you end up having red, hot, dry skin. Hopefully none of you have experienced this, but we're just warning you what some of the signs are of heat exhaustion and heat stroke. Another example of heat exhaustion is nausea or vomiting. Those are very common symptoms when you have heat exhaustion where you have those same things. That's actually something in common with a heat stroke, nausea. You might feel a little nauseous and you might vomit with either a heat exhaustion or a heat stroke. And then with heat exhaustion, one difference between a heat exhaustion and heat stroke With heat exhaustion, you have a rapid, weak pulse going on. With heat stroke, you have a very rapid, strong pulse that's going on with those. So again, if any of these things happen, you might consider calling 911 immediately. Certainly you want to get to a cooler, air-conditioned place, if at all possible. Drink water, if you're fully conscious, that is. Take a cool shower or use a cold compress. If you have had a heat stroke, move into a cooler place. Use a cool cool cloth or a bath, of course, 
and do not give anything to drink if you've had a heat stroke, that is. Very important information. Main thing is get medical attention as soon as you possibly can. Call 911 and don't play around because we know that in the South it can be extremely hot this time of year and we want all of you to get through the summer and enjoy it and get through this very, very rough couple of days. It looks like that most of the South's going to feel that feel-like temperature of nearly 110 degrees or possibly more depending on where you live. The family of James Brown has settled a 15-year battle over his estate. This is kind of a big story as a result of a nearly 20-year battle, 15 years to be specific, between the entertainer's family after they have reached this settlement over the late gospel blues R&B singer's estate. The attorney representing James Brown's estate is David Black, and he has confirmed that the agreement was reached back on July 9th. Details of the settlement were not disclosed. Now, of course, the godfather of Soul's estate had been in a legal civil war since his death back in 2006. He died Christmas Day 2006 at the age of 73. The South Carolina native who also lived in Georgia and lived right around the Augusta, Georgia area. The performer's death touched off years of bizarre headlines, beginning with his former partner who claimed to be his wife, Tommy Ray Heine, and she ended up being locked out of the singer's 60-acre estate. And that was a soap opera in itself. And just infighting, outfighting, extremely crazy stuff that went on. In fact, there was a fight over Brown's estate that even spilled over into what to do with his body as family members fought over the remains for more than two months. And during that time, James Brown, the godfather of soul, his body was left inside a cold storage at a funeral home inside a gold casket that entire time. <laughs> Just a unfortunate ending there for this very, very talented singer and just entertainment guru, James Brown. Now, just last year, the South Carolina Supreme Court ruled that that woman that claimed to be his wife, Heine, had not been legally married to Brown and therefore did not have a right to his multi-million dollar estate. Justices also ordered a circuit court to promptly proceed with the probate of Brown's estate in accordance with his estate plan. When that outlined creation of a trust that would use his music royalties to fund educational expenses for children in both South Carolina and Georgia. So an ugly story that's been going on for 15 years now, but it looks like finally, after 15 years, the family of James Brown has settled his estate. And that's welcome, welcome news. One last story, civil rights fixture Robert Bob Moses has died at the age of 86. Moses' fight for equality started with his involvement in the SCLC. He joined the SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinated Committee, in 1960 as a field secretary and later became the strategic coordinator and project director with the COFO, the Council of Federated Organization in Mississippi. And in that role, his role as organizer of COFO's Freedom Summer Project, he worked to register blacks in Mississippi to vote. He also co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. And he has now passed away, this person from the civil rights era, Robert Bob Moses, dying at the age of 86. We will have more headlines as we continue on with today's Y'all Show. 
hang on when the y'all show comes back we're going to put on our football hat or helmet i should say and get you up to date with some of the recent press conferences that some of our sec and acc coaches Coach Mike Norvell. Both of those gentlemen are up at the mic and both are coming right back as the Y'all Show will continue. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. John Rawl back in with you here as we discuss all things Southern and catch up with a little coaches talk. I know that you probably are sick and tired of hearing from some of these coaches, but in some cases, some of these coaches across the Southeast, we won't be hearing too much really until the season kicks off in September. They're going to go in camp mode here pretty soon. So we got to take all of our audio when it's put right in front of us. And one of the fixtures that was part of this year's SEC Media Days at the Winfrey Hotel in Hoover, Alabama, was Eli Drinkwitz, as he's now getting ready to enter his second year coaching the Missouri Tigers. This was his first time in front of the audience, as last year's Media Days was a virtual event due to COVID-19. So this guy made quite an impression in Hoover. And we're going to go in and listen to some of Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri Tigers head football coach from Meaty Days. And after we hear from him, we're going to switch over to the ACC. Mike Norvell is entering his second season as the Florida State Seminoles head football coach. And we'll get his thoughts on the Knowles of 2021. But up first from the SEC, it's Eli Drinkwitz. And here he is talking, actually gets a question about does he actually give gifts to the visiting team's coaches as they enter Faroe Field there in Como, Columbia, Missouri. And last year, Alabama's Nick Saban and his Crimson Tide were one of the visitors to Faroe Field. And Drinkwitz got a question about that at Media Days. And as only Coach Drinkwitz would do, he isn't afraid to answer the question. I don't know if that's true or not. Um I don't know. I really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I might have tried to. Maybe I was making an offering to the goat, you know, the greatest of all time, and giving him some little debbies to not beat the hell out of us or something. I don't know. But uh, 
now I I don't know if we do that to, for everybody or if, if that's just something our, our department does. I don't, I don't know. Coach, to your right on the second row. Coach, Mike Lucas, KXTV and College Station. You guys started a freshman quarterback last year in Connor Baselick. We're going to start one again this year, Not COVID year. <laughs> uh, what do you kind of feel comfortable with such a young quarterback, you know, getting the grasp of the offense and feeling like he can kind of take the training wheels off? Yeah, I don't, I don't worry too much about your age. There, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about don't let anybody look down on your youth, but show yourself approved uh, by your conduct, your act, and your speech. And, and I think for us with Connor, I think that's you take the training wheels off when somebody proves they're, they're capable of, of making plays um, by not only their work ethic, the film study, and, and their ability to put, you know, take care of the football. And Connor demonstrated those abilities throughout the season. And, and for us to become the best version of ourselves and the best version that we want to be as a football team, we're going to have to continue to push the envelope offensively in, in a, the quarterback position. Coach, to your left on the front row. AP Stedham, WHEP, Foley, Alabama. Coach. Um, I've been to Foley. You've been to Foley. Okay. Outlet malls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's correct. Lambert's <laughs> throw rolls. <laughs> You're more familiar than me, I guess. <laughs> there you go, uh, Coach. What did you learn about yourself as a head coach in, for for the first time in the SEC? And then uh, your game against Boston College. I think that's the first meeting. Have you ever competed against that coach or th- that team? Um, I think you learn about yourself how tough you have to be. Uh, you got to put blinders on and. Whether it's wins on Saturdays or losses on the recruiting trail, there's a lot of ups and downs, and you got to keep the game face on. You got to set the, the you know leaders set the tone and drive performance for the organization, and, and you can't have bad days. And uh, you know, I think that's something that I'm having to learn to do consistently. And you know, you get your butt whipped on a recruit, you got to saddle up and go get another one. If you get your butt whipped on Saturdays, you got to go saddle up and get ready for the next opponent. And whether you win or lose, the, the next game is going to be the most important game you play. Um, I have not ever, I don't believe, ever coached against Jeff Halfley before uh, at Boston College. I have gone against Boston College. I have been to that stadium before. Uh, obviously, shout out to the Hasselbeck brothers. You know, that's some people think about Doug Flutie. I think about the Hasselbeck brothers, um, both Matt and Tim. Um, so, uh, obviously, it's going to be a great challenge. I think they return all five starters on the offensive line. They've got a quarterback that's an uh, excellent player, transfer from Notre Dame, I believe. They've got a wide receiver, Zay Flowers, who we begged to come to NC State because we knew he was an extremely talented player. They've got a very good defensive uh, front. They've always had really good D-line and linebackers, I remember, and in a secondary. So um, a game on the road, a, a different environment is going to be a challenge. But at the end of the day, we got a lot of challenges before we get to Boston College. And if I'm worried about that right now, I'm going to be bald uh, early. So I've, I've only got about six haircuts left anyway. So, Coach, to your right on the front row. Coach, I'm curious your thoughts on the news yesterday of you know, Oklahoma and Texas wanting and possibly joining the SEC. Are you setting me up to say the same line again, or do you want a new one? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts on it. First off, you know, like I tell recruits all the time, we're the best league in college football and everybody wants to play there. And now you got two iconic brands that want to join too. Uh, and it's, just, it's an exclusive club and not everybody gets in. So good luck, uh, especially if A&M has anything to do with it. Um, besides, you know, 
uh, Ross and Jimbo. I think Jimmy Sexton doesn't want him in because he doesn't represent those two head coaches, so he might lose his leverage point there. Um, I can keep going if you want. Uh, Look, I I have no idea how any of that stuff works. It's way above my pay grade. I coach football. I I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. I stay here, so I can't forecast the future. No idea what that's going to look like. But, man, Central Michigan is going to be a tough challenge. And I know Jim McElwain's a heck of a football coach. And I got my hands full trying to beat Central Michigan. So worrying about when Mark Womack's going to add Texas and OU to my schedule is just a headache I can't afford. All right. What a good answer there from Eli Drinkwitz, the Missouri Tigers head football coach, as he was at SEC Media Days. And that was just a few days back in Hoover, Alabama at the Winfrey Hotel. And there toward the end of that clip, you heard him referencing the Oklahoma-Texas SEC chaos that was going on at the time. And I thought he did a very, very good job. The ACC also is in the possible expansion discussion, depending whether the paradigm shift ends up happening as expected. And the Florida State Seminoles should be poised to get back Under their coach, Mike Norvell, the former Memphis Tiger coach, comes to Tallahassee in 2020 and did not have the best of seasons there coaching the Garnet and Gold. But look for Florida State to come back this year and have a better performance on the gridiron. And Norvell at the mic in Charlotte during ACC Media Day. And let's go in and hear the talented former University of Central Arkansas football player turned coach, talk about his current employer, the Florida State football team. Yeah, I think unique is an understatement to the year that we just experienced, but, uh, um, you know, I'm grateful for this year. And, uh, you know, people can easily point to the challenges that, uh, of what we experienced and the things that we had to go through, but, uh, you know, I'm grateful to be able to have been a part of it with this team. Uh, with the guys that I get to coach, and you know, as we come in, and you know, there's been a lot of change at Florida State over the over the last few years, and uh, to be able to, to to be with you know my players and with our coaches, it provided an opportunity through each challenge to be an example of how you respond, and uh, that was something that we talked about uh, you know, throughout the course of this last year. Uh, something we still talk about today is is something is as how you respond to all those situations. Uh, there were moments of this last year that we saw great highs. You know, we had we had a a big win, a top five win. Um, and then there were moments of, of great lows. There were things that we had to adapt, adjust, uh, but you know, we were able to do it together. And I believe that's really helped self, set the foundation of, of, and build the trust throughout our team of, of who we are, what we're, gonna, you know, what we're aspiring to, to do and where we're aspiring to go. And, uh, so I'm grateful for the challenges that we got to experience and I'm, I'm grateful for the for relations that have been built through those challenges and what that really sets us up to do here moving forward. But uh, we're extremely excited about the year that's ahead excited about the personnel that we have the guys that that we get to coach and and the opportunity that's in front of us uh, to help get Florida State back to where it deserves to be coach to your right about the fifth row hey coach Mike Chris Heidel from Herbison Radio in Baltimore Uh, thanks for taking some time this morning Um, talk about the two quarterbacks you know Milton and uh, Travis you know what what do they bring to the table for you know the offense 
You know, the two uh, incredible players, but uh, you're also incredible young men. And, uh, you know, uh, who they are uh, on the field, I mean, they're playmakers. And I think you've seen that throughout the course of their careers. Uh, you know, Jordan this past season, uh, you did some remarkable things through some, through some extreme challenges. Uh, you know, Bill dealing with injuries, missed time, um, you know, continuing to, 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 to grow and respond throughout that year. And, uh, you know, with McKenzie and his story, I mean, just uh, you know, somebody that I had great familiarity with. With, uh, you know, having to compete against him, but now you get in a chance to coach him day in and day out. Uh, they're two young men that uh, they bring it every day. Uh, the appreciation for the opportunity, uh, the appreciation for for what it takes in the process to grow and develop, but then also an appreciation for who they get to do it with. Uh, there's a lot of guys that go through college football with just a sole focus on themselves. Uh, those two young men, and they care about who they get to to be a, to be with and who they get to to represent on their journey, and uh, you know, they a joy to coach every single day and uh, you would to see them compete with each other um, you know the quarterback position is unique and uh, you know, those guys are both battling uh, you know, bringing out the best of, of, of themselves and bringing out the best of each other uh, in how they and how they grow and how they develop and what they do you know on the field off the field in the weight room you know on the practice field and uh, you're really tremendous leaders for our program and that was Florida State head coach Mike Norvell at the ACC Media Day event held in Charlotte as he is getting the Seminole Nation ready for a much better 2021 season. In fact, in his first year in Tallahassee, the Knowles went 3-6, and six, just a dismal, dismal season. And this is a coach that's not used to losing as he was head coach in Memphis for four seasons before heading to Tallahassee. And his seasons leading the blue and gray of the University of Memphis, he went eight and five his first year, followed by ten and three, and that went that team went to the Liberty Bowl, lost that one. Then they followed that up in Memphis in twenty eighteen with a eight and six season and a bowl trip to the Birmingham Bowl. And then it was that magical twenty nineteen season of which they won AAC's championship. They went to the group of six or the the new year six rather played in the cotton bowl against penn state didn't win that but still just by being there first time memphis had ever gone to a bowl game the likes of the cotton bowl and a great 12 and one year that year only losing i guess that cotton bowl game to penn state and as a result of that great success norvell who that Cotton Bowl game, I think, was not coaching as he had already taken the Florida State job at that time, but still just a tremendous resume he's had. And I know last year was such a strange year for he and all of college football, but look for this guy, Mike Norvell, a native of Irving, Texas, to have a much improved Florida State football season in 2021. And frankly, I think Knowles fans were willing to give a mulligan to him for what he had. But knowing now that he's coming in this year with quarterback Kenzie Milton in the backfield, he's got a guy on defense and Jermaine Johnson the second. This ought to be a very good garnet gold gridiron club in 2021. And those were just two of our SEC and ACC schools that we're featuring here on the Y'all Shows. We'll get you ready for the start of the 2021 season. We're not done talking college football this hour. When we come back, we're going to tell you all about the Baylor Bears as Dave Aranda was recently at the Big 12 Media Days. Baylor is today's spotlight school alongside Louisville, and we're going to be all bears when we come right back on Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent. Don't miss out on the fun. 
We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. To the home of Baylor University, right there on the Brazos. Baylor fans gather for game days, and Baylor has been a tremendous, successful athletic program, not just in what they've done in football. I know they haven't won the Big 12, but they competed and played for the conference championship just two seasons ago. They are the current national champion of men's college basketball. Little old Baylor out of the Big 12 is a very, very powerful athletic program. And on today's Y'all Show, as we're on this 44 college town tour of the, across the southeast, we're stopping off in Waco to tell you all about Dave Aranda's Bears, what you have scheduled for Baylor football in 2021, a little bit about the history. Hour three, we're going to tell you more about the university, some of the great alumni of Baylor University, and we'll also discuss some of the great traditions found at Baylor. The Baylor Bears begin the 2021 season on the road. They're going to be at Texas State taking on the Bobcats in San Marcos, Texas, and that's on that opening Saturday of college football. The Bears return for a home game against Texas Southern. That's at McLean Stadium in Waco. That's going to be on September 11th. They start their Big 12 play against the Kansas Jayhawks. That's a game in Lawrence on September 18th. They have a home game against a very good Iowa State football team, a Cyclone team that played for the Big 12 championship in 2020. And the Cyclones come in for a game on September 25th. Oklahoma State is the opponent on the road on October 2nd. The West Virginia Mountaineers come in for a game on October 9th. The BYU Cougars in a non-conference game, they stop by McLean Stadium October 16th. A big game against the Texas Longhorns as Sarkeesian comes into McLean Stadium. He and the Horns have a matchup October 30th. That's Halloween weekend. It'll all be rather scary there. TCU in Fort Worth, that's the, what do they call that? The TCU, when TCU meets Baylor, that is called, uh, it's got some kind of biblical overture because of the fact that these are two, Christ, uh, the revivalry, that's it. I knew it would come to me. The revivalry is going to be on November 6th. Oklahoma is coming into McLean Stadium November 13th, and then they wrap up Big 12 play on the road at Manhattan, Kansas against K-State November 20th, and then they wrap it up for good November 27th against Texas Tech. That game played at McLean Stadium. That's the 2021 schedule for the Baylor Bears. Now in 2020 and Dave Aranda's first season 
it was not all so good. They did start out the season with a victory, getting a home win over the Kansas Jayhawks. Then a whole bunch of losses came for them. They only got one other win. That was against K-State. So Baylor finished in 2020 with a dismal 7-2-7 and and record. And they were one of the few teams that did not get a chance to go to a bowl game as a result of the terrible season that they had, COVID and all. And so Dave Aranda, in his first season, just couldn't get it done for the Baylor Bears team. Now, Aranda comes to Baylor after Matt Rule took off at the conclusion of the 2019 season. Aranda is a California native. He played at Cal Lutheran, and he also got a master's degree from Texas Tech and has been in the coaching ranks a long time. He was a coordinator at Utah State before going on to be a coordinator at Wisconsin. Then his big break came with Ed Orgeron at LSU, where he was a defensive coordinator for several years, including that famous 2019 season where the LSU Tigers were perfect and won a national championship. And after Coach Rule took off for the NFL, Aranda was hired to come over to Baylor and lead this program back to greatness. So the Baylor Bears in 2021 hope under his direction that they'll have greatness as the fans there at McLean Stadium. They want to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and get things righted there for Baylor and the line that is. Let's now go in and hear from Dave Aranda as some of his portion of his conference that he had with the Big 12 pundits recently when they gathered in Arlington for Big 12 Media Day. Here is the second-year coach now of the Baylor Bears talking about his program and more. The ability to have the, the, the side conversations, the ability to have the one-on-ones to when um, you know, our players are eating their meals and for me to, to step in there and sit down with them and talk about their families, talk about their life, talk about their classes, talk about uh, what they're going through. Those, are th- those times propel the times that you're on the grass, propel the, the football piece. When you really recognize and see people and uh, give them time to be heard, uh, that makes the football stuff go. And so having the time to do that and the ability to do that uh, has made a big difference. We've got a question on the left-hand side, and then we'll get over to the right-hand side. Jerry Hill, Baylor Bear Insider. Dave, um, I noticed from the two deep that was released, I think you had like ten oars on the first on the uh, offensive side. Is that a statement of competition, or is that you know guys not stepping up? And then how much did it help to have guys like Grant and and Jacob come in to help that offensive line depth? Appreciate the question. Yeah, you know the. The uh, um, summer workouts that we had, and so seeing the guys uh, being out there for uh, you know individual uh, position specific conditioning, and seeing those guys you know drill on their own, just seeing the numbers of our O linemen right during the fall, that was our O line and D line combined, right? That number that was out there is like whoa, and so um, that has uh, really led to great competition and I think that was sorely uh, sorely missed last fall sorely missed and so the ability to push push each other 
to be held accountable by uh, by your teammates, I think, really is um, is everything in terms of uh, the on the grass part of it. And then I think that our two our two transfers both bring um, an intelligence, a maturity, um, a level of effort that is very high, corresponds with the le- their level of care. Uh, very impressed by both. Got a question on the outside right. Bryce Cherry, Waco Trib. Uh, Dave, uh, Terrell Bernard was playing at an All-American level when the uh, injury arose last year. Uh, I see he's here with you today uh, looking resplendent in his green suit. Uh, do you expect him to uh, pick up kind of where he left off last year? How did he, his rehab go? I'm a big fan of Terrell. I think he's Terrell's got a great heart. He's his um, his care for others. There's a selflessness about him that uh, our team sees and recognizes. And um, you know, he pushes people to be better by the way that, that he goes about his day. And um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm thankful for. Um, for Terrell coming back, you know, there, it was a it was a choice that he made, and um, we're all better for it. I'm a better coach because of it. I think Terrell going into this season, his ability to really understand uh, defensively um, our to to the depth of that simple can be sophisticated. I think is going to be really key for Terrell. You know, there's times where. There's games where Trell had double uh, uh, digits and tackles, and his understanding of the defense, while great and probably the best on our on our defense, was still at a level with uh, that could you know, much to be desired. And so I think his full understanding of what we're doing and why we're doing it, where his help is, I think uh, the sky's the limit for him. And that was Dave Aranda, the second-year coach of the. Baylor Bears, and that was at the recent Big 12 media days in Arlington, Texas. We've got a whole lot more of Baylor Bears information we'll be passing along in Hour 3, including some of the famous alumni of BU, and we'll also let you know about some of the great traditions of Baylor out of the Big 12 Conference, as Baylor is today's spotlight school. Alongside Louisville, we've got a lot to tell you about the Louisville Cardinals in Hour number 2. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to wrap up this hour with a quick look at Southern history across the land here on the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent. all about the South. We fix in history into the mixture of great Southern information. We got a couple of South Carolinians with Revolutionary War connections that we want to tell you about as these gentlemen with birthdays this week. Born this week in 1746, Thomas Hayward Jr., a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and he also signed the Articles of Confederation as a delegate of South Carolina. As he was born in St. Luke's Parish, that's modern-day Jasper County, 
He also died in that same county in 1809 at the age of 62 years old. He's buried at Old House Plantation, and that's near Ridgeland, South Carolina. That's on the National Register of Historic Places. Again, Thomas Hayward, Jr., a double signee, signer of the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation, born this week in 1746. Also born this week was Francis Salvador. We're not exactly sure, but he died also this week, August 1st, 1776, and Francis Salvador, an English-born plantation owner in South Carolina, and he is known because he was from the Sephardic Jewish community of London that migrated to the United States, and Francis Salvador is supposed to be the first Jew to be elected to public office in the colonies when he was chosen for the Provincial Congress. He later joined the Independence Calls. And in 1776, August 1st of 1776, Francis Salvador was the first Jew killed in the American Revolutionary War as he was fighting with South Carolina militia and was killed in a battle against Loyalists and their Cherokee allies. How about that? The first Jew, I guess, ever killed in military conflict here on behalf of America, Francis Salvador. He was from South Carolina. And he was killed this week in 1776. Also want to point out this week that it was this week in 1948 that President Harry Truman of Missouri desegregated the United States Armed Forces. And that happened this week when he signed an executive order. Now, also a kind of interesting part of this week is that when Truman signed that, that meant that black platoons ended up being assigned to white companies. And it was the first step toward battlefield integration that happened this week. Also this week in military history, the Korean War came to an armistice, a war that's kind of technically still going on, the Korean War. That happened this week. Also born this week, a fixture from the civil rights era, Whitney Young, as he was born in Shelby County, Kentucky in 1921. He actually drowned at the age of 49 in Lagos, Nigeria, and that happened back in 1971. But go look him up. Oddly enough, a guy that isn't exactly as well-known as Martin Luther King, but Whitney Young has his own story, the native Kentuckian, and was a big fixture in the civil rights movement as he had multiple meetings at the White House and was part of the whole struggle for civil liberties. He was once the executive director of the National Urban League and would often, as I say, go and meet with presidents and more. In fact, when he drowned, I think the president at that time, Richard Nixon, had his body flown back maybe on Air Force One, and I think that Richard Nixon might have even gone to his funeral, from what I remember. But he died in Nigeria there, and yes, President Nixon did send a plane to go collect his body and then traveled Richard Nixon to Kentucky to deliver the eulogy at Whitney Young's funeral in 1971. So a fixture again from that time period that isn't often talked about. Whitney Young, born this week in 1921. That's a quick look at some Southern history here. Oh, y'all talk with a Southern accent. Stay tuned. 
We've got another hour of the conversation all about the South, and it's coming up now. Every night, I dream one day of being with the youth. And Mrs. Stephen about Dixie underway here in this second hour. We're going to glance at some headlines momentarily. Also in this second hour, we're going to be turning our attention to the banks of the Ohio River. There you'll find the University of Louisville, and there you'll find a miniature version of our college across the southeast. We're going to squeeze in a quick look at the Louisville Cardinals of 2021. Their talented football playmakers, DJ Edwards. He was recently at ACC. We're going to let Mr. Avery talk about what he's going to be doing there on the defense of Coach Satterfield's Birds of the ACC. All that is part of our quick coverage of the Louisville Cardinals as we kind of catch up here with you here in the second hour. Also, in the second hour of today's y'all show, Jerry Short is our Taco Polo storyteller. You won't believe where he just went. He's going to tell us all about it. All that coming as part of his report is very good, informative, and entertaining. Takapola Storyteller Report coming up later this hour. We also have a southern accent on southern food that we'll be getting to here in this second hour of the show. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all, and we we, we really, really want to hear from you. It's really easy to do that, and if you call or text that number, we will, that's a solemn promise here, we will get back with you. We will share whatever you've got to say about the South right here on this show. We will not forget about you. We have no problem bragging on y'all, and the best way to brag on y'all is to have y'all do the bragging. So let us hear from you here on the Y'all Show. Let's dive into some of the headlines here in this second hour and back into some news that is affecting all of us across the southeast, especially if you're in a in the got the pinch for a new car or you might want to get rid of a car. We have the latest news in terms of the fastest selling new and used cars and what came out in the month of June we can report on to you now as iccars.com has studied analysis that found the fastest-selling new car during the month of June was the Toyota RAV4 with its hybrid and plug-in variants, also making the SUV dominant list. The fastest-selling used car is the Tesla Model 3 with the Tesla Model S and the Tesla Model X also making a list that consists mainly of sports cars and alternative fuel vehicles. So Tesla and Toyota good. If you have a car or you're wanting to get a new car, as this site, iccars.com, analyzed a million new and used cars sold in the month of June. And this website found that overall, the average new car takes 41.7 days to sell. And the average used car, a little less than that, 34 and a half days to sell a used car. New cars are selling nearly a week faster than in May now. And when the average was 47 days, when used cars are selling slightly faster compared to five weeks ago during the same time period that they were sold then. 
But again, the fastest selling cars. Number one, in terms of new cars for fastest selling cars, the Toyota RAV4, followed by the Kia Telluride. The Toyota Tacoma is the third fastest selling new car. The Cadillac Escalade with a sticker price of 99950 by the way. That's the number four fastest selling new car. The RAV4 Hybrid checks in at number five. The Cadillac Escalade ESV is at six. The Forerunner from Toyota is in seventh place, followed by the Toyota RAV4 Prime. The Kia Carnival is at nine. The Lexus IS350 is the tenth fastest-selling new car on the market. Hard to believe that your traditional Fords, Dodges, and Chevys aren't really anywhere to be found on this list. In fact, I don't see a single Ford car listed on the top 20 fastest-selling new cars. As far as Chevy goes, the first Chevrolet-branded car is the Chevrolet Tahoe with a $65,000 sticker price. It is the 18th fastest-selling new car. The GMC Yukon checks in at 20. I don't see a single Jeep. I don't see a single Dodge. I also don't see Tesla on there either. As far as the fastest-selling used vehicle, that Tesla Model 3 is the fastest to sell with an average price, a used price of 45653 The Mini Convertible is the second fastest-selling used car, followed by the Mazda MX Miata, the Honda plug-in hybrid called Clarity. The fifth fastest-selling used car is the Toyota Highlander Hybrid, the Honda Insight is 6th. The Tesla Model S, 7th. A BMW 4 Series checks in at eight. The Chevrolet Corvette has got a pretty good resale for a used car. It's the ninth fastest-selling used car on the market. That used car list, very similar to the new ones. I don't see a single Ford listed in the top 20, and very few Chevrolets, and I don't see any Dodges either. Hmm. So if you're in the market for a car, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. There's a awful, awful, awful lot of empty spaces on any kind of car lot right now. Really kind of creepy. And I know the car selling business has always been a tough business. If you're good at it, you can ex- do extremely well. But if you're just starting out and you have to go sell cars, it's... It's not the easiest thing. It's a dog-eat-dog world for sure in car sales. And now with so few cars available, used and new, for these dealerships to have to get out there and try to sell, and then you mix in all the online retailers for cars, a very unusual market that I'm sure some have benefited from financially over the last 16 months. But, man, our thoughts are certainly with the automobile dealers of the world and really for anybody out trying to buy a car right now or sell a car it's just completely upside down what's going on if you want to read more about these new and used cars and their ratings of who's the fastest selling and more that website again is iccars.com i-s-e-e-c-a-r-s.com as they went in and looked at analysis on the fastest selling new and used cars during the month of june we have more of a talk with a southern accent coming your way don't miss out on the fun right after the break 
we will get back to talking a little college sports as we'll do a brief look at the Louisville Cardinals out of the ACC. We'll tell you all about their 2021 schedule, and we'll hear from their very talented senior linebacker, C.J. Avery. That's ahead, U of L. They're coming up next year on Talk with a Southern Accent. Don't forget Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller. He's due to come on in just a few minutes as well. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. as we discuss the traditions and famous alumni of the school located in Waco, Texas. This hour, playing catch-up from last week when we were supposed to talk about the Louisville Cardinals and Scott Satterfield. Unfortunately, due to some circumstances out of our control, we weren't able to squeeze them in as we planned. So today, we're going to talk all about the Louisville Cardinals, the U of L, getting ready for a big 2021 football season. In Scott Satterfield's season in 2020, his Cardinals went four and seven, three and seven in ACC play. That was his second season coaching the Cardinals, and so now Louisville gets ready under Satterfield for year number three. They start the season in a big way, as they'll be at that Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta to take on the Mississippi Land Sharks. ESPN's going to broadcast that Labor Day Monday night. Monday night football, Sharks and Louisville Cardinals on ESPN. What a way to start the season. Then they have their home opener at Cardinal Stadium against Eastern Kentucky on September 11th. A interesting out-of-conference matchup as UCF comes to Cardinal Stadium for a game on September 17th. They begin their ACC play on the road at Tallahassee against the Knowles on September 25th. An ACC Atlantic battle against Wake Forest on the road on October 2nd. The Virginia Cavaliers come in to Cardinal Stadium for a game October 9th. BC checks in the Louisville. That's a game scheduled for October 23rd. Another Atlantic duel in Raleigh as the Cardinals and NC State get together Halloween weekend. The Cardinals and the longtime ACC champion Clemson Tigers will be saddling up against each other at Cardinal Stadium. That's a November 6th battle between Louisville and Dabo Sweeney's felines. Syracuse comes into Louisville for a game November 13th. The Cardinals in a cross-divisional matchup against the Duke Blue Devils. That's in Durham on November the eight, uh, November 18th, and that's a Thursday, by the way. Then they wrap up their regular season with a game against the Kentucky Wildcats. That's game scheduled for Cardinal Stadium there in Louisville on November 27th. That's a quick look at Louisville's schedule for the forthcoming season. Scatterfield, Satterfield, rather, as we said, entering now his third season, the North Carolina native who played quarterback for Appalachian State back in the mid-1990s. He was App State's head coach prior to coming to Louisville. And so far at Louisville, he went 8-5 and five his first year 
and that included a win in the Music City Bowl over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. In 2020, Louisville went 4-7. and seven. Of course, it wasn't, of course, the normal seasons. We all know that. And they ended up having a topsy-turvy year, lots of losses, consecutive losses in ACC play, starting with Miami. They got the ship righted with a game at home against Florida State. But their other wins came against Syracuse and Wake Forest, and it was just a very, very forgettable year in 2020 for the red and black of Louisville. C.J. Avery is going to be a big part of Louisville's success here in 2021. The Grenada, Mississippi native, a former Grenada Charger, is entering his redshirt senior season for Coach Satterfield. He was part of ACC Media Days. And let's go hear from this great defensive playmaker, C.J. Avery, discussing why he decided to come back and suit up for his alma mater. He's got a degree now from the University of Louisville and why he chose to come back and play another year for the Cardinals. Well, it was just um, between me and my family, um, I decided that it was a better chance for me to come back and better my future and then just end my career here at University of Louisville on the right note. Thank you. We'll go to your left in the fourth row. It's CJ Cameron with the Courier Journal. Since Scott Satterfield took over this program, how have you seen this defense change, and what it, what does this defense look like compared to what you've seen in the last few years? I just think this defense, um, you know, trust each other, um, better well-rounded defense um, at each position. Uh, we have new guys at the safety position, but I think they'll come in and they'll step up big in their roles. Uh, cornerback position, we look we look great. Uh, and then the front seven, we just continue to get get better each year. So this defense just turn, turned it around completely. Number nine for the Louisville Cardinals, C.J. Avery, talking about his defensive unit there for Scott Satterfield. Again, the Cardinals and the Mississippi Landsharks of the SEC had that season-opening game in Atlanta on Labor Day night. That is going to be a fantastic way to get your college football weekend kind of wrapped up with that SEC versus ACC matchup at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. The University of Louisville is a public research university located, of course, in Louisville, Kentucky. It actually got started way back in the 18th century. 1798 is the year of which the University of Louisville was founded, and currently the UofL has 21,000 total students enrolled at this city campus, sprawling campus there in Louisville, Kentucky. Some of the famous alumni of Louisville include Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader in the United States Senate, longtime Kentucky Senator, and other famous alumni of the University of Louisville. A lot of great famous athletes have come out of there, including Teddy Bridgewater. You also have had Lamar Jackson in recent years go on into a great NFL career. And then you've had other people, more of the arts and entertainment world, that call the University of Louisville home. People, including Larry Burkhead, the photojournalist. You have Sue Grafton a novel, an author, a novel writer there. You also have Barbara Perry, as she ended up going into education, professor in the world of that, a lot of political people and more. University of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Some of the great Louisville traditions include the Cardinal Bird, the famous mascot of the school. You don't want to miss him if you're ever at a Louisville game. 
And, of course, this is a program with a proud basketball heritage. And being right there in Louisville, you got the Kentucky Derby and more. If you go to a Louisville Cardinal game, you have that slow clap. It always leads to C-A-R-D-S, as this is a great tradition that only found for the University of Louisville Cardinals. Again, Louisville and its Cardinal mascot goes way back to 1913 when the Cardinal bird chosen to be the school mascot. And so you can put on your red and support Louisville Cardinals out of the ACC. And again, today we are catching up with Louisville as we're on a tour across the southeast of great colleges. And Louisville is today's miniature feature. We'll be talking more about the Baylor Bears that university in Waco, Texas in hour three. So congratulations to Coach Scott Phillips Hatterfield. Great players he's got teamed up for his team. C.J. Avery, one of them, out of Canada, Mississippi. Fourth of y'all show is coming right back. Jerry Short is up talking to Paul Storteller, and he's up next. Well, you get down the fiddle and you get down the bow. Kick off your shoes and you throw them on the floor. Dance in the kitchen till the morning light. Louisiana Saturday night Waiting in the front yard Sitting on a log A single shot rifle and a one-eyed dog Yonder come a kinfolk In the moonlight Louisiana Saturday night Well you get down the fiddle And you get down the boat Kick off your shoes and you throw them in the floor Dance in the kitchen till the morning light Louisiana Saturday night And we're back on y'all Talk with a southern accent your host, John Rawl, up and going with a whole new week of all things Southern. It's time now on Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent to go to our Y'all Traveling Correspondent. It's Jerry Short, and Jerry is the Takapola Storyteller. And we understand from sources that our Takapola Storyteller has been right there in the subject of this Mel McDaniel song. He's been part of a Louisiana Saturday night over the last few days, and we're going to go now to Tagapola or somewhere in between as he just might still be traveling as Jerry Short gets across the south, and that's what we have him on here to do here on the Y'all Show to talk about his travels and more. So without further ado, let's go to the guy that puts the traveling in Tagapola and welcome in the Tagapola Storyteller. Hello, Tagapola Storyteller. Are you still on the road? I am on the highway. I'm on the mule highway, as Clint Eastwood called it in his last movie. Oh, really? Take 55. How about the mule highway? That that was a great movie that he was in a couple of years ago. Jerry, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing back in Louisiana? I thought they kind of kicked you out of there for good. Well, I have been told don't come to Louisiana before, but uh, I was a lawyer in Homer, so I kind of wrote it off. He didn't like the way I wrote a story about LSU and Ole Miss football. <laughs> but uh, I still uh, slip across the border every now and then. Done a lot of work down there, too. But uh, anyway, this is my uh, lovely wife and I's uh, sixth anniversary already. Hmm. What kind of flying when you're having fun, right? And uh, I always try to take her somewhere, you know, in the United States. And she's not from the United States. Take her someplace that's uh, interesting, and uh, you know you can usually find something pretty interesting in Louisiana. And 
you know, we've done the New Orleans thing and we've done all that, but um, it happened to hit me about Avery Island. You familiar with Avery Island? I am home of Tabasco. That's exactly right. And, uh, and you know, it's not a very big place. It's a salt dome, and uh, it just kind of busts up out of the uh, gulf. It's about three miles from the actual gulf, but they don't have beaches down on the Louisiana coastline, obviously. It's mostly marshland. And, uh, but you just do not uh, go to Avery Island unless you're trying to get there. You know, it's not on the beaten path of anything. Now, you can go on down, but we went around, and I, I, I took the Natchez Trace to Natchez, and we went to Natchez under the hill and did a few things like that, and went on down to Baton Rouge, and go, I showed around the LSU campus, and then we went across uh, I-10 Bridge and Mississippi River, heading, uh, heading, heading west, and went through Lafayette, I usually go Bro Bro Bridge, but this time I decided to go uh, after I got through that Jafflai basement, uh, which I think that may have unnerved her. Because, you know, it's a bridge for about 25 miles of nothing but pure water on I-10. And and, uh, it's not not something you're really used to because, you know, the Mississippi River kind of changes course and leave leave the banks up around... uh, the Mississippi Louisiana line and and get into the Chaffee Basin and uh, that would leave New Orleans high and dry and it wants to bust out down at uh, where the Chaffee River comes in at, at uh, Morgan City Louisiana so you know I was telling her that kind of stuff but long story short we got to Avery Island and I don't know if you know that much about it but you know it was uh, it's been in the McElhaney family. And they've been producing Tabasco sauce forever. And uh, it's more th- it's more to see on the small uh, island than you think it is. I think it's about three miles square of uh, island, but it's a salt dome. I, I, I didn't know this, but I found out that uh, actually the dome is considered, it goes as deep into the earth as the Alps go into the sky. Hey, that's a lot of salt, you know it. And uh, so, and it was used during the Civil War by the Confederacy. The Confederacy got all their salt from there, huh. and the Macalhanes leaned to the Southern cause, so they let them have it till uh, the Yankees raided uh, Avery Island in '63 and stopped the salt production. But they had uh, mines, and they considered one of them the first salt mine in the world that uh, the Confederacy uh, had put down and dug into the into the salt mine, in the salt base, and made mines and hauled that salt out and, and carried it to the all over to the Confederacy. But, but anyway, we went, uh, they have a cure, and uh, you pay for the, uh, it's, it's really, it's not expensive, it's a good trip. And, yeah. uh, you pay for the, uh, you pay for your first uh, stop or two. They have about eight or nine places that you get to go to where they make the, the sauce. And it's really fixed up as good a museum as you'd ever find anywhere. And uh, the, uh, it goes through, you know, steps. And they, they didn't let us go in the last one on that part of the tier because uh, I, I don't know if it was COVID. They really didn't say because it's, 
you kind of self uh, uh, cure yourself. You know, you don't have a cure guide, and uh, you just follow the steps. And then they've got the uh, information that you can uh, push a button, and I can push one button. And uh, it's about my capabilities. But then I can listen and uh, see a nice video on the screen of uh, how they produce it. Now, I did find out some interesting stuff. If uh, this is uh, <laughs> Tabasco night, I guess. Yeah, let me let me stop you because I'm still confused. How do you go from having a salt mine in this case, as you said, it was one of the first in the country or maybe the world? How what does a salt mine have to do with making hot sauce? Well, they actually uh, use that sauce uh, from their own mine. Okay. In the in the sauce. Uh, in the Tabasco sauce, but that's not the main reason. It grows really well there, and the terminology of the name, the official. You know, you if you ever wondered why they call it Tabasco, and I did, but I didn't know that until uh, Tabasco comes from an Indian, an Indian name, and a Mexican name, and it comes from the country of Mexico, and it comes from a. Uh, area of mexico that's called tabasco and tabasco means it's really humid and it's a place that grows that particular uh hot sauce it's a small you don't know if you've ever seen them or not and it's a real small red pepper and uh it's one it's the only pepper really uh according to uh some of the information i got there that uh it doesn't dry up completely internally, and so that way they're able to they smash it and make a uh, substance out of it, kind of like you, like you would uh, uh, smash grapes to make wine. But they put it in barrels, just like you would do distilled whiskey, uh-huh. and they put it in barrels, and they keep it in there for as long as three years for it to ferment and set up and make that content that they use for Tabasco sauce. And then they uh, finish it up by making the sauce out of it, with putting the, uh, uh, making it uh, more of a sauce than a solid substance. And uh, so they go through a big detail. We saw from uh, some of the stations you'd go to in the Tabasco factory where they would actually, they would grow these plants just like you would grow a potato plant or anything, a tomato or, tomato or your garden or something like that. They grow them in a hot house for about uh, four months. And then when it gets up about um, eight inches tall, they have to plant those doggone things just like you were in a garden planting them, planting tomatoes. And they, they put them in row, on rows and they grow them on that island. And then they have to... Uh, harvest them just like you would anything else like that so i found that to be really really very interesting and uh they have a cafe there that you can uh eat and uh they have a really good menu and it's reasonably priced they have a museum that you can buy all kind of tabasco stuff obviously and uh then besides that they have a jungle garden there and it's on the island, and you drive through it at your own. You, everything there 
is kind of, it's all under one ticket. And if you're a veteran, say you're a veteran because I think it saved me about $15. But anyway, on the cure and everything. But uh, you you go on the kids, alligators all over this area in the jungle garden. And you go around it and you look uh, at the places. And then the uh, Bayou Trees runs back. And that is in uh, Longfellow's Evangeline. I don't know if you've ever... So if you're familiar, I'm sure you're familiar from college reading Evangeline and all. No, I missed that day, I guess. <laughs> How could you possibly in journalism miss Evangeline? But, but anyway, uh, it's uh, it's in that area, too, where he wrote about it, you know, Evangeline. And uh, Bayou Trees is a real, supposed to be a real beautiful place. Of course, it's live oak trees with hanging Spanish moss and all that good stuff. So... Uh, what you uh, when you make that tour, the big surprise that knocked me off of my feet, John. Yeah. Was when I got to it, and I, I came across an area that uh, uh, had a temple. It looked like an Asian temple from a distance, but inside that temple, if you go read the, uh, and we knew that there was a Buddha there, but we didn't know where it was or how it was set up, but. They had had this Buddha inside this temple forever. I'd say when I say forever, I'm talking about, I think it came in 47 uh, when it was discovered in New York. Now, I hate to say this, but a Confederate general took it to get uh, some of his uh, spoils of war and sold it in New York, of all places. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it's plated. Not gold plated, but it looked just looking at it, it looked like it's probably lead plated, and it's a beautiful sculpture that dates back to eleven oh one. Is when it was made. Gosh, and obviously not in this country. <laughs> no, not in this country, and it's it's in a Buddha type setting on a mound by uh, by the swamp and the slough. And the cypress and the cypress knees and the cotton mouse occasionally and those things. But it's, it's really beautiful and it's set up beautiful. And they have a lot of bamboo, Chinese bamboo in that area. Yeah. And they plant it and, and you know, it's, it's really pretty and it's set up. It's really set up really good and really well. I'd recommend it to anybody, anytime that's looking for a couple of day trip. Yeah to go to Avery Island and see those kind of things. They have a bird sanctuary there also. Uh, you can go around. It's as beautiful live oak trees as you'll ever see. I know a lot of people are familiar with the, you know, the uh, plantation home on the Mississippi River that a lot of movies have been filmed around Oak Alley. It reminds you of about 500 acres of Oak Alley Gosh. So what that looks, yeah. The whole trip does. And when you tear the part that's in called the jungle uh part, mm-hmm. jungle swamp back in there. But uh you know that is, and they've got the old McElhaney house in there. And you know, an interesting side note to that, the two McElhaney daughters from and I don't know which uh, uncle or grandfather or what side they went. They were in my daughter's sorority at Ole Miss, and uh, I know she was home one time, and I 
saw she was invited to a party that McElhaney girls were throwing in New Orleans. They moved over to New Orleans. They don't live on Avery Island, it's, even though they're ancestry, you know. But uh, I asked my daughter, are you going? And she said, uh, I've been over there, and it's immaculate and all this kind of stuff. But she really wasn't that impressed for some reason <laughs> How with about that? Uh, those, those situations. I think maybe they even asked those two McElhaney girls to step out of Kappa Delta sorority. And I could be wrong on that, but I, uh, I'd have to talk to my daughter. But yeah. that's what I remember from the uh, 1990 yeah. 123s. Everybody, we're, we're listening to Jerry Short's Traveling Tales as he has gone into the Louisiana area around Lafayette, south of there down to, as he said, McElhaney, down to Avery Island. And Jerry is our Takapola storyteller, always wonderful to catch up with him and find out what in the world he's doing. Now, Louisiana, Jerry, is a state that you have spent a long time, decades, going to. And I'm sure when you're in the Pelican State, you did more than go check out Tabasco. Well, I did. I, uh, I first went there in 64. And uh, I ran cranes in shipyards in Morgan City on Bayou Buff. And I bought oil and mineral leases in Shreveport or Chesapeake. I uh, cruised timber and, and bought an acquisition land for international paper in Louisiana. Uh, I've lived down there. I had a lady that called me her stepson. Uh, I was a pallbearer with her sons at her funeral. And, you know, it's Catholic country. And uh, you get into a lot of different situations that you're not used to as an 18-year-old boy when you first go there. And uh, I was telling my oh, wife... Especially about, an 18-year-old Protestant boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and one from Mississippi. Uh, and, you know, there was very few of us out-of-state people. And, uh, you know, I was really a freak show for most of the most of the Cajuns, I'm sure. And uh, so we, uh, but, you know, we really got along good. And, uh, and that's the key. You've got to get along. And I was always interested in what people did. You know, here's a little side note. You know, you talk about the Spanish malls. And uh, I had a daddy-in-law at the time and, uh had taken a trip to Chicago when he was a young boy with his daddy. They had a, now get this, they had a, they had a Spanish moss gin, just like you would have a cotton gin. And they ginned, uh, they spent, they ginned that moss and people would get, get moss and collect it out at Lake Verrett and different places around us, Bay Lafouches and places. And they would bring it in in pirogs. And they would bring it in, and the P-Row would bring in, like, all this moss that they could carry. And then they would bail it, and then they would take it to Chicago, sell it, ship it, ship it by rail to Chicago. And they would uh, clean it and uh, put it through a process, and then that would be in mattresses and pillars and things of that nature. And that was a big business. In the 30s. Jerry, they need to bring that back. Do you know why? Uh, Yeah, I've got a few good reasons. But, you know, our old buddy of Minnesota is doing a good job. 
Well, we've got a foam shortage in this country right now because not of coronavirus, but because of the outage in Texas. It actually wiped out the nation's, our world's largest foam-making factory. And there's a huge shortage. You can't go, in a lot of cases, and buy a mattress or a couch because there's a shortage of foam right now. So bring on the live oaks. Well, I don't know if I could... Those people would probably shoot me because it's it's became such a such a decorative item now. You know, if people really look at live oaks and they look at the Spanish moss on it, and most people don't know that Spanish moss is an parasite. It's not a parasite. So uh, I guess that's one reason they grow mostly. It doesn't grow because it doesn't get anything off of the tree. It gets it out of the air being an aerosite. But uh, it, uh, it it fits really well and hangs really well the way the live oak trees and they're kind of a they're kind of a special tree that you're not allowed to cut for lumber either. And uh, you know, it's kinda of like a dogwood or something like that. So uh, I might have a little trouble grounding up some of that Spanish mild. <laughs> Yeah. But it sounds like a winner to me if I could do it. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to give me a figure of I'm going to go out through that. I'm going to start pulling it off a tree and see how far I can get with it. Sure. Well, I'm glad. I'll get out of that Chaffly Basin, though. Yeah, I'm glad. I've been yeah. there with all them snakes and, and all them alligators. You know, that Landry guy on television, he uses that same area that I've worked in down through there. And, hey, it's not a fun place to stay in. It's not. It's a very bad place to spend the night. So, but you've done people, that. Oh yeah, I've done it, and uh, I've done a few. One night. I've done a few things that aren't normal, and uh, so they're not normal to some people. But maybe they, maybe they're a little bit normal to me. Sure. But, uh, you're, you know, I kind of you, know, you get kind of a rush when you do crazy stuff like that. When you, especially when you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. You know, maybe going up to 50, but, uh, you know, now I think I'm going to, had a doctor not too long ago tell me that, uh, Jerry, let me tell you one, your days of jumping out of airplanes are over with, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'll go prove I, him wrong, Jerry. Come on, I dare you. Well, uh, George Bush did, didn't he? But uh, I think they kind of helped him out the door. <laughs> helped, him to, helped him to the ground. I don't think I want to come down nine miles an hour and, and do a PLF on on top of some rock mountain down Idaho. <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, you know, things like that are kind of fun. And, but we really had a great time. And take this opportunity to just uh, thank my wife. What a wonderful wife she is. And, uh, how good she was on the trip. And we really had a good time. And I think she enjoyed, uh, you know, a little, little of that uh history, little American history also. So, we, uh, we here on the Y'all Show are all about the South, and we realize that within our 16 southern states, we have a couple of really unique areas, and the Cajun country of South Louisiana would certainly fall in that area of being truly unique to the South and truly unique to the entire world, frankly. Oh, yeah. Really do. And, uh, you know, it goes all the way back to their people. And uh, their way of life, and you know, it's it's changed a lot 
as I drove through coming back, I came back through the Morgan City area and a place that I used to work and uh, back, you know, they put in a few more roads that were not there when I was there last time. But, you know, you see how people live back up in there. And, you know, I had a girlfriend one time that wrecked my car down there. And her daddy was, uh, he was cleaning a hog outside his house and we didn't have a wreck too far from there. And, uh, he was out in the, in the house, didn't have screen doors, screen windows, or screen doors on it. It had those flaps for hurricane windows that flap back. So, you know, I've been getting educated in some of that stuff for a long time. But, uh, and I've been edu- educated at an old Miss LSU football game, too. Sure. So the, so the daddy that was outside with uh, Butcher and a hog, when he finds out his daughter's been in a wreck in your car, I well, she was, he was not, Oh, yeah, but still, I'm assuming he wasn't exactly thrilled. No, as a matter of fact, uh, they had to put her in the ambulance and take her on to a hospital in a town called Napoleonville. And uh, he, uh, he came out and fussed at me. I think he must have thought because I had a, had a pretty good, uh, but it was a 58, and this was in 64. It was a 58 Impala convertible that I was really proud of. And I let her drive it back from Lake Moret. And she totally, uh, we went through a sugarcane field, sugarcane beating down on the top with the top down beating on us. And then we got back in the ditch, and I was trying to pull her foot off the accelerator. And she kind of just passed out. She was a little bit too young. She was about 16 or 15 and three quarters. And she had never driven, and I didn't know that. And uh, it kind of got away from her. The car got away from her. And everything got away from her. She kept her foot on that accelerator. And I couldn't pull it up until my head went through the windshield. But uh, but anyway, he came out. And, yeah, he blamed me. And he was talking about a lawsuit against me. And his daughter was being sold up back at the hospital. But, you know, that was a good experience. It made you want to drink a, made you want to drink a bottle of Miles Nervine. <laughs> or a couple of bottles of Tabasco after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that's. And that's a little too hot. You know, it's, I think everybody on the anniversary ought to take a sip of uh, Tabasco to keep their relationship uh, warm. Well, who knew that Tabasco makes a perfect romantic getaway? And if you make it to Avery Island, you can create your own experiences. And thanks to our Takapolo storyteller, Jerry Short, we just never know what we're going to discover here on the Y'all Show. <laughs> or talk about, you know, so... We're going, to, we're going to talk about something next week really good also, I'm sure. Oh, you so, think? Stay tuned. All right. And, uh, well, we'll try to get into the non-romantic stuff with you perhaps sometime because, as you uh, well know, Jerry, there's some uh, crazy things going on in today's world. It's not 1964 anymore. No, it's gone and left us behind. And uh, we're going to have to stand up and bring it back. I'm, but I don't know how to do that yet. I'm thinking every day, though. So uh, I'll share a little of that, a little of those thoughts with you next We need next that. Visit. Yes, yes, we need that, definitely. But remember, doctor's orders, no jumping out of airplanes anytime soon. Oh, man, isn't that awful? <laughs> you know, that really knocks a wind out of you, kind of a person that likes to do stuff like that. How many jumps do you have to your credit? I got 77. Ah, I figured you'd have it down. It's only 77 jumps here, airborne. Well, listen, you know... You know, in Airborne, you only jump every four months, three and four months, one time. I didn't know that. And the reason I got 77 
is because we would jump last when I was in that uh, reserve component, and uh, they would go to the other. We were we were C company, and they would go to uh, headquarters A and B, and then come to us, and they would have some extra shoots because everybody would show up. And if we were jumping a helicopter or something like that, I might get four jumps in one day. You know, because the helicopter, they want to get rid of the chutes before they took them back to Fort Bragg. And uh, so he'd go up, we'd go up, jump out and come down, throw another chute on and uh, go up and do it again. So uh, it kind of kind of added to get 77, you know, that makes it sound like you was in the military in that particular uh, part. I've done a lot of other stuff. You know, I've been in artillery and yeah. I've been a mess sergeant, which was the hardest job I ever had probably in the military. So you didn't jump when you were in some of those kind of things. So when you throw it all together in about 10 years of special forces or, or airborne, you, uh, Seventy-seven is a good many. I would say so, and I must so, confess to the y'all show listening audience, yours truly, John Rawl, is a dirty, nasty leg. Oh no, you're not that bad. <laughs> you're gonna, uh, we're gonna put some toggles on you, and, and uh, I, we'll, we'll come out and shoot someday together. Oh, okay. On, uh, on your birthday. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to that. Jerry, thank you. Always great catching up with you. Happy anniversary, and glad that you have uh, gone to Louisiana and making your way back to Tacopola. Well, I'm in Jackson, Mississippi almost right now, so uh, things are doing pretty good. I'm rolling on down the highway talking to you, doing about 72 miles an hour, which Mm. is within the speed limit. Mississippi Highway Patrol, hopefully you're not listening. Jerry, thank you very much. (laughs) Have a great rest of your week. All right, pal. All right. Our Takapola storyteller right here on the show that's all about the South. Oh, it's so much fun catching up with that guy, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. When the Y'all Show comes back, we've got more of this second hour of conversation about all things Southern. Hang on. We'll be right back to wrap up this hour with more of the Y'all Show, including a Southern accent on food. Ooh, that sounds yummy. Oh, that's coming up now. Stay tuned. Maybe we'll even be talking about Tabasco. Ooh. Southern accent. Here's what's cooking in the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. In the South, sassafras grows wild and you may be able to make your own drink from it. American Indians used it in cooking but also to treat wounds, urinary disorders, and more. Its many uses led it to become one of America's first exports. Throughout the region, sassafras is commonly found in open woods, along fences, or in fields. Here's a tasty sassafras tea recipe. Use four pieces of sassafras root, one-fourth inch to one-half inch diameter, two quarts of water, and sugar or honey. Wash the sassafras roots and cut saplings off where green and where the root stops. Bring water to a boil and add roots. Simmer until the water turns deep brownish red, the darker the stronger. Strain through coffee filter into pitcher to prevent sediment. Add sugar or honey to taste. Then serve hot or cold over ice with lemon and mint sprig. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com. 
All right. Well, doesn't that sound rather tasty? I think so. A perfect drink maybe for these dog days of summer. We have another hour of our Getting the Week Going version of the Y'all Show. We have Hour 3 headed your way. We're going to let you hear from Nick Saban and the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils, David Cutcliffe, both of those gentlemen at their recent Media Days events for their respective conferences. We've got that, plus Baylor Bears information and headlines from across the South coming up. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hello, welcome back to the show covering everything Southern. We are powered by y'all.com. That is the South's official homepage. I'm John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern. And it is awesome to have you back here as we wrap up this Getting the Week Going edition of y'all. We've got a great week lined up. I'm going to tell you before this hour is up exactly what you can find here throughout the week on Talk with a Southern Accent. As we wrap up this final hour of this Getting the Week Started edition of y'all, we're going to hear from a guy who's done a pretty good job coaching college football, Nick Saban. Some might even say he's the greatest college football coach in the history of the sport. Yeah, I think that's a pretty bold but accurate statement. We're going to let you hear from him and a guy who's done just about as good a job as Nick Saban's done in Tuscaloosa at the school that he coaches at. And that's the Duke Blue Devils, David Cutcliffe. Both of these gentlemen recently at their respective conferences media day. We're going to hear from these salty seasoned college football coaches here in a second as we get this hour's sports coverage underway. Got more college football talk coming as later in the show, we're on our 44-city tour across the southeast of great colleges. We've already heard from the Louisville Cardinals this show. But we also are continuing our coverage of spotlighting the Baylor Bears out of the Big 12 Conference. And this hour, we will discuss some of the famous alumni of Baylor University. We'll discuss how this school got its start in the Lone Star State. It's got a very long history, older than some of the more larger universities within the state of Texas. I'll let you know about all that and how this school ended up moving from the shadows of Aggieland to where you find it today, Waco. All that's coming up on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And we're also going to share with you some of the traditions of this Big 12 program. All that's coming up later this hour. Before the hour is complete, we also will be sharing with you some more headlines from across the southeast here on the show. And before we are totally done and are walking out the door, I'm going to walk through some of the great interviews and features we have coming up throughout the rest of this week here on the y'all show so that's an action-packed hour don't you think i think so and you know what it's absolutely free you don't have to pay a single penny to sit back and enjoy yours truly john rawl talking about the south and thank you for all of us or all of y'all who listen to us each and every day and thank you for those who listen on great radio stations and a special thank you to all you who catch our podcast. The Y'all Show, now available in podcast form, free of charge. We're available on the Apple Podcast app, the Stitcher app. We're available in the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
and brand new as of this weekend, we're now available for free download on Spotify. You just go into Spotify, hit search, search y'all, Y apostrophe A-L-L, and we're going to be right there, a nice red logo that says y'all, and if you don't mind, subscribe, and you'll be set up to get our show each and every day. It may have commercials, depending on which Spotify plan you have signed up, but if you can bear with the free version that's got commercials or you want to pay a few dollars and splurge and get it commercial free, I think is one of the options. You could do just that. Or you could do like one of my family members and get on her plan because she told me that she's got a Spotify account that she pays, I think about $15 a month for and her siblings of which she has three all benefit from her plan. And she said one day I didn't think anybody was really actually listening to Spotify. So I canceled my account and it wasn't within an hour. I got both of my siblings, in this case, her brothers texting her, calling her saying, Hey, did you cancel that Spotify? She listens to a lot of music. She listens to great podcasts. And you know what? She's got the y'all show she can listen to now. So, Hey, we want to grow our numbers and that is a way to help us out. We, Really appreciate any of you who listen to us on stations. But if you have a chance to listen to our podcast, we're trying to grow this thing. We're trying to be big, big, big. And one way to do that is to ask for you to not only go there and listen, but subscribe, to like it, to share it, to talk about it. Give us a review. That's the kind of analytics you got to do in today's social media world to get seen and heard. We think we do a pretty good job on this show. And one of the big reasons we do a pretty good job is because of y'all. And we appreciate you. And if you could just help us out. And you're helping yourself, too, just by going and making that extra step to subscribe or write a review or like us or all those things you got to do. I think I think you know what we're asking. So thank you very much for that. And, again, the Y'all Show now available on Spotify, let's start this hour off talking about more sports. We've got a sports-heavy start of the week here because we're doing a little catch-up. If you aren't a big sports fan, let me also tell you, if you're a new listener or you're catching us at podcasts for the first time, perhaps on Spotify, the Y'all Show has a couple of key categories that we try to cover each day. And those categories include news, they include sports, they include music and entertainment news, and they include travel. And there's other key areas that we cover. And someone asked me over the weekend, well, how much sports do you have? Well, that that kind of, I don't mean to sound like a child here that needs these things, but it all kind of uh, depends. <laughs> Not the diaper. It depends on what's going on. So I have come up with this great formula. And that formula comes down to this. The Y'all Show is about 25 to 75% news. It's about 25 to 75% sports. It just depends on what's going on, whether we're on the 25% end or the 75% end. We're about 25 to 75% entertainment and gossip and all the other fun stuff going on. We're probably 25 sometimes to sometimes 75% talking about food here on the Y'all Show. We love to talk about the Southern culture, the stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else. For example, what you might have heard in hour two if you're listening to our Taco Polo storyteller, Jerry Short. 
And that's the kind of unique Southern stuff that we cover. Nobody else is going to dare cover. And we have between 25 to 75% of each show devoted to that kind of stuff. I know the numbers probably don't add up if you're sitting there with a calculator. My goodness, what if he's got 75% times 5? Well, that doesn't add up to 100%. But we're doing our darndest. And math's not necessarily my forte. But I do know that we have a 100% effort of giving you the best show that we possibly can. So with that in mind, let's get back here in our maybe a little bit more like 75% of this episode talking sports. Let's talk about some of the great audio that's just come out of our media days across the Southeast. And Nick Saban is the veteran coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Remember, it was in 2007 that he took over that struggling program as Coach DeBose had left under not the best circumstances. Then they had the former Texas A&M coach come in there, did a pretty good job, but then he left and, and I think went to Texas a and what he ended up doing. Then you had what some would call a, a rather disastrous experience with Coach Shula leading the Alabama program. And then in comes a guy that failed at the NFL level in Nick Saban to be the head coach, the savior, a guy who had in 2003 won a national championship at LSU. And he comes to Tuscaloosa, and boy, oh boy, did things change and did they change quickly. Although they barely got to a bowl game in that first season, it was quickly right after that that Alabama started competing and winning SEC championships, competing and winning national championships. And Nick Saban has just about seen and done it all during his time leading the capstone. He was at the Mike, I think it was day three of the SEC media days. We haven't had a chance to go in and hear the coach of the Crimson Tide, so let's do just that here. It's Nick Saban talking Crimson Tide and a whole lot more at SEC Media Days 2021. John Mechie is a very mature player, very mature guy. Uh, is a guy that has always set a good example and been somebody that um, other players can emulate with the example that he sets. Uh, he's been a good leader in that group. And a lot of the players respond to him in a positive way because he has – uh, a very serving personality. He's not confrontational, but he's very helpful. Um, Jameson Williams has um, been very impressive with us this summer. Uh, we felt like we needed somebody who has juice and speed at receiver um, to complement the players that we have and some experience because we've lost four first-round draft picks in the last two years at that position. And he certainly has not disappointed us in how he's added those elements, you know, to our offense, especially in what we've seen this summer. Coach, front row to your right. Hey, Coach. Nikki Noto-Palmer, 09 graduate, if you will, uh, Atlanta CW 69 Sports. You mentioned vacation's over. I honestly have a really hard time picturing you on vacation, so I want to know how do you turn it off, and what does vacation look like when it doesn't involve golf or Lake Burton? Well... You know, I'm so obsessive compulsive that we only go to Lake Burton in the summertime. That's the only place we go. And we go to our house at Gasparillo Island, which is Boca Grande in Florida, in the wintertime when we have a few days. That's the only place we ever go. So um, 
But I do, contrary to public opinion, um, enjoy sort of being away, uh, different circumstance, different environment. I really enjoy the lake. Um, you know, I play golf every morning. Um, people don't like the fact that I take a bath on the dock, dive in, soap up, dive in again, rinse off. It's, you know, kind of the hillbilly in me from West Virginia. Um, and, you know, Terry and I get to spend a lot more time together just to enjoy each other, which we don't get to do very often. Um, so it is different and it is good and it does recharge you. And even though I'll still watch recruits on the video and I'll, you know, kind of look at next year's opponent sometimes if it's a rainy day or whatever, uh, it still has helped me learn how to turn it off um, so that you're more ready when you have to turn it back on. Some riveting information coming from day three of the SEC media days in Hoover and Nick Saban at the mic back that day. And we find out about his inner hillbilly. He said it, not me, coming from his West Virginia roots there, there at Lake Burton. And that is a place that I have lived in North Georgia. I have gone through that area. I've gone with probably within two to three miles of Lake Burton on a couple of different occasions. I have still yet to see it. It is a secluded little lake there, pristine lake, if you will, in northeast Georgia, near Clayton, Georgia, is where you'll find Lake Burton. And I don't know how Nick Saban got led to be a vacationer and a regular visitor of this little special spot in northeast Georgia because he, to my knowledge, has never coached in either Georgia or South Carolina or even in Tennessee, all or North, or North Carolina, rather, all areas that are right in that same general area of Lake Burton. I know, I think Dabo Sweeney also has a, a cabin there or something like that. Pretty interesting and very candid information coming from the multi-time national champion coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nick Saban. The Crimson Tide begins its 2021 season in Atlanta this year. They're in that Chick-fil-A kickoff on that Labor Day weekend Saturday as the Miami Hurricanes and the Crimson Tide, a rematch of that famous 1992 national championship battle at the Sugar Bowl between the U and the Capstone. And that's how the Tide begins the 2021 season. University of Alabama alumnus David Cutcliffe is back as Duke's head coach here. The Blue Devils begin their season on a Friday night, and they'll be on the road in Charlotte as the UNC Charlotte 49ers host the Duke Blue Devils at Jerry Richardson Stadium, a game televised on that Labor Day weekend on CBS Sports Network. The Devils and the CUSA's 49ers, David Cutcliffe, has already been to Charlotte lately, not to necessarily tee it up against the Niners, but his Duke Blue Devils were on display as part of the ACC Media Day event for Duke football. Let's go in and hear the coach. Now, I think he's entering his 11th, 12th season, believe it or not, hard to believe, the former Mississippi coach leading the Duke Blue Devils to some great teams and great success in recent years. Coach Cutcliffe there at Media Days in Charlotte, he gets a question about the college football playoff. Let's go in and hear what the coach has to say about this trending topic 
in college football and its coverage. I've been a part of those meetings. I've been on a lot of NCAA committees. Uh, I know those people with the CFP very well. I'm a member of the board of the American Football Coaches Association. I think it's inevitable it's going to happen. I'll start with that. I'm, I'm not negative about it. But I, I get a little, I grow a little tired of the comments that aren't as sincere as I think they should be. This is not about finding a better way to find a champion. That's not the path. This is all about money, and that's important too. Uh, the funds will go from millions to billions, and you can't just ignore that. The funds become important not just for. Football that becomes important for other student athletes and programs. We've had a tough year across the country. Um, that's important, and you have to listen to that. It's also important that I think we consider part of this because this isn't about APR graduation rates. This isn't about um, player safety. This isn't about health and well-being, it's about money. So I think maybe more important than NIL, if you're going to extend two semesters or extend a season like that, the players get a percentage. Not a star, all of them. They get a little check. Um, so I'm not going to just be dead set against it. I just want to hear honesty. I know exactly what it's about. Uh, there are not 12 teams that you would select that are 12 teams that deserve to win the national championship. If you want to go that far, what's wrong with 13, 14, 15, 16? That's the next argument. Um, but I'm not going to deny the fact that that kind of money used properly can make a department better, not just football. And um, that's as honest an answer as I can give you, Lord. That's a reality. So somebody just come on out and say what the real reason is being pushed. Does it concern you if the season would go longer, uh, the player safety and, and you know their bodies getting injured? Absolutely. Does that kind of do you think this proposal money is outweighing the health and safety of players? Well, you just asked a different question. You have to ask those people that are pushing this that question. Um, I would hope not if, if we prove that it's much worse for the players to extend it that we wouldn't sell out to them. If it's managed properly, then you possibly can. But you can't tell me going back. I mean, football is not a, quote, tournament sport. The Super Bowl champion often hasn't been the best team all year long. Uh, go look and study it. Um, again, you, you got to look at how we're going to go about this. How, how many games are you going to play? And could it be three more games in a 21-day period? Or you, you go back to no vacation, mental health issues. Uh, you know, I think players, when you explain to them, they wouldn't even worry about their physical health. They might worry about the wear and tear. And then you start the spring semester and start the spring practice. They're all there in the summer. When does it stop? That's David Cutcliffe, head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. 
uh, recent uh, his appearance there in Charlotte as part of the ACC Media Days. In 12 seasons leading the Blue Devils, David Cutcliffe has had a record of 72 and 77. Remember, before his arrival in Durham, this was a program that I think had the longest track record of not going to a bowl game. And he has led them to multiple bowl games, put them in the ACC championship game as coastal division winners. He came aboard as head coach way back in 2007, 14 years technically. He's been on campus there at Durham. And before Durham, of course, he was once the head coach at the University of Mississippi where he had a guy named Eli Manning under center. And David Cutcliffe, a tremendous job he's done coaching this program to some success. Still doesn't have a winning record there at the ACC's Duke Blue Devils, but pretty close, and he's looking to build on what he did in a COVID-ravaged COVID 2020 season and get this team back to a bowl and possibly back into the Coastal Division contention. And that was, again, some of our coverage of coaches at recent media day events as we get this first hour up and going on y'all talk with a southern accent we've got some more college football talk coming up right after the break we're going to take you to waco baylor is today's college football stop on our 44 town tour of college sports and traditions it's all bears after this break stay tuned y'all we all make choices about alcohol kids make choices whether to drink or not bye dad remember i'm going to alex's party tonight and sleeping over hey am Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. Well, I wasn't fired up, but after an intro like that, how could you not be ready for the start of college football? John Rawl here with you. That's what the fellow told you. And yes, indeed, I am here to talk about college football and traditions and great universities located here in the South. And we start this tradition spotlight talking about the Baylor Bears of the Big 12 Conference. Sikkim Bears. Dave Aranda and the Baylor Bears begin the 2021 season on the road at San Marcos as Texas State is where the Bears start their season. September 4th, home opener is against Texas Southern on September 11th. Their Big 12 opener at home is going to be against Iowa State on September 25th. Dave Aranda came over to Baylor after being the defensive coordinator for LSU in 2019. 
Baylor in Aranda's first season did not have the best of years as they went 2-7 and seven overall. That was also, of course, their Big 12 record. Baylor looking to get back on track in 2021. This is a program just a few years ago actually competed for the Big 12 championship. Came within a whisker of winning that thing. Baylor University, or simply Baylor, is a private Baptist research university located in Waco, Texas. It was chartered way back in 1845 by the last Congress of the Republic of Texas. How about that? Baylor is the oldest continuously operating university in the state of Texas and one of the first educational institutions west of the Mississippi River in the entire country. Now, of course, today you can find the campus on the Brazos River next to I-35. That's roughly halfway between Dallas and Austin is where you'll find Baylor. It has an enrollment of over 19,000, and that includes undergraduate admissions and student enrollment of undergraduates at right at 15,000 and close to 5,000 postgraduate students at this urban campus setting in Waco, Texas. Now, it started way back, as we said, in the mid-1840s, and it started around what's now College Station, Texas. And you had a formation of this college, again, with its Baptist roots, as in 1841, delegates to the Union Baptist Association meeting voted to adopt the suggestion of William Milton Tryon and R.E.B. Baylor to establish this Baptist University in Texas. And they did just that. And they formed Baylor University, not all that far, just really along the, at that time, Brazos River, but closer to where the Texas A&M University campus is located now, as it started in Independence, Texas. Independence, Texas is in Washington County, and they still have a kind of a semblance of Baylor's original campus right there in Washington County, Texas. Ultimately, it would move to Waco and flourished and has done extremely well, currently under the guidance of Linda Livingstone. She's the president of Baylor University now. Extremely well thought of from an academic standpoint. Accredited by the Southern Association of Colleges and Schools. Baylor has a very distinguished list of alumni. Alumni of this school. Hey, when you've got Jeff Dunham, the guy that does the puppets and does the voices, if he's one of your alums, then you know you've arrived. They also have Joanna Gaines, you know, from that home improvement show in Magnolia, Chip and Joanna. Well, Joanna is a Baylor alum. In fact, she and Chip live in the Waco area. Great player, won the Heisman there just a few years ago. Robert Griffin III is a Baylor University alumnus. Former governor of Texas, Ann Richards, a Baylor University alumnus. How about Rand Paul? Did y'all realize the junior senator from Kentucky was a Baylor University alum? Sure is. Trey Gowdy, the South Carolina former congressman and television personality, is a Baylor alum. Actress from the show Wings, Crystal Bernard, is a Baylor University alumnus. And then 
what Baylor's done on the hard court, in addition to what they've done on the football field, has been simply amazing. And Davion Mitchell is one of those great alumni who've done great in basketball. Jared Butler also. And Baylor is the current national champions of college football. Or rather, college basketball. Whoops. I'm still thinking about college basketball. They've also had some beautiful, talented alumni like JoJo Fletcher and Ashley Nicole Williams, Baylor alumni. Very, very, very powerful college, even though it's small in comparison to giants like the University of Texas and Texas A&M. Baylor in Waco, Texas. Let me tell you about some of the traditions of Baylor. Of course, they've got the bear mascot, and that started way back in 1914 when the bear was voted on to be the official patron saint of all Baylor dumb. <laughs> the bear and each bear mascot there at Baylor is given the title judge in honor of the university's namesake, Judge R.E.B. Baylor. The bears are housed on campus in the Bill and Eva Williams Bear Habitat and cared for by students in the Baylor Chamber of Commerce. Now, one of the more known traditions at Baylor is the Baylor Line. It was started in 1970. The Baylor Line is composed entirely of new students and represents the commitment of the entire Baylor nation to support and cheer on the Bears. And if you go see a game there or you watch it on TV, you'll see a bunch of kids, frankly, wearing big, bright gold shirts, T-shirts there, and they're part of that Baylor line, and it's one of the traditions of game day at Baylor University. How about this? If you're going to be in Waco, Texas, you need to honor one of its local products, not just Baylor University, but Dr. Pepper. (laughs) And Dr. Pepper Hour is something there at Baylor. Started out as a matinee coffee hour in 1952, and now it's kind of morphed into this Dr. Pepper hour. And it is a tradition there. Dr. Pepper has become the official soft drink of Baylor, and thus the traditional gathering known as Dr. Pepper hour. Texas is on Dr. Pepper, and it has its own time and own celebration there at Baylor University. You've got the Golden Wave Band. That's who puts on great music like the fight song that we just heard. For Baylor University games, homecoming is always a big deal on the Baylor campus, as well as the famous landmarks on campus like the McLean Carillion, the bell tower there. You got ring out. That's a tradition at Baylor that symbolizes the passing of the guardianship of the Baylor spirit from class to class. You have the Baylor ring, lovely ring there probably would make a few Aggies jealous at how cool the Baylor ring worn by Baylor alums are and then the distinctive green and gold colors in 1897 while on a train to Bryan for a debate tournament a member of the student committee which had previously been selected to choose appropriate colors for the university looked out the window at the wild spring dandelions and remarked that the vivid yellow and green flowers made a lovely combination Other members on that train agreed, and when they got back to Waco, the color combination of green and gold was recommended and readily adopted by the student body. That's how Baylor got green and gold. Also, you have that phrase, sick 'em, 
and yell leaders at Baylor love to say that with the Sikkim hand signal, the bear claw hand signal. And so Sikkim Bears is the yell for Baylor University. Just some of the many, many traditions that you'll find at this Waco, Texas University. And today, Baylor was our latest stop on our tour across the southeast. And we're proud to say here on the Y'all Show, Sikkim Bears. <laughs> we have more of the Y'all Show coming up. also want to let you know that we'll be visiting the Arkansas Razorbacks and the West Virginia Mountaineers as part of our college sports spotlight on the Tuesday Y'all Show. So you don't want to miss out on that fun. When we return, we've got a look at more headlines going on across the southeast. And before the hour's up, a look at what's going on on the Y'all Show the rest of the week. So you don't want to miss out on that. We're talking with a southern accent, and we're coming right back. Stick them. show so want to take a time here on the show to thank you again for listening and remind you that the y'all show can be found at the south homepage y'all.com it is right there front and center just look for y'all show across the top of your web browser or if you're on one of these little smartphones or ipads pretty easy to find just look for y'all show at y'all.com and we're right there on the south homepage with this three-hour daily show that's all about the 16 southern states. Want to look at some more headlines here and some more bizarre activity across this lovely part of the world. Police in Texas say an armed person stole an ambulance. Okay, that's bad enough. But they stole this ambulance with a patient inside the Houston Fire Department was taking the patient to a hospital when the suspect ran the ambulance off the road and then took it at gunpoint, according to police there in Houston, Texas. Armed suspects stealing it with this patient. And how about this? A firefighter also inside when it was stolen at gunpoint. The suspect is accused of running the ambulance off the road, according to the Houston Fire Department. They said in a series of tweets that a firefighter behind the wheel was forced out of the ambulance at gunpoint and left on the side of the road 
And that's when this patient and another firefighter in the back of the vehicle had to go along for the ride of this stolen ambulance taken at gunpoint in Houston, Texas. What kind of knuckleheads are out there in today's world? Well, we shouldn't be surprised, I I hate to tell you here, with headlines like this in in today's world. Anything's possible. But what a shock there when you steal an ambulance. You just might end up having a firefighter and a patient in the back that are going to go along for the ride. I don't have details as far as if everybody walked away fine. I'm sure they did. But uh, Lord help us here with news stories like this one to tell you about on today's Y'all Show. Have you gotten on a Southwest Airlines flight recently? Well, they're going New Orleans, it looks like, with Southwest Airlines in terms of what they're serving as an in-flight coffee because this, I think it was started in Dallas. I know it has a heavy presence there at Love Field and across much of Texas. I know it also has a presence in other southwestern states, thus the name Southwest Airlines. Community Coffee, the New Orleans-based company, is now the in-flight coffee for Southwest Airlines. As the number one family-owned retail coffee brand in America celebrates with free travel sweepstakes going on because they're the choice of Southwest Airlines, air travelers and coffee drinkers can unite in the friendly skies with a community coffee cup of coffee. The coffee made famous by generations of discerning coffee drinkers in New Orleans and throughout Louisiana. It's now, again, one of the fastest growing coffee brands in all of America, according to the company. And Southwest Airline flights are bringing Community Coffee's signature blend dark roast aboard the Dallas-based airline for in-flight coffee service. And they're celebrating this as family and friends are now traveling. Perhaps you're going to get on a Southwest flight soon. You can get you some community coffee. The flavorful taste out of the Big Easy, which, according to the company, they say that community coffee is made from only the finest 100% Arabica beans. I think that's South American, but I don't know. I don't think it's Louisiana. The community coffee executive VP of sales and marketing, Leah Harrington, saying... We are thrilled to be back in the air and sharing our signature coffee with our fans from across the country, whether they're traveling for business or taking a well-deserved vacation as travelers enjoy our coffee. They're also helping us bring joy to those who help communities thrive. Our partnership with Southwest Airlines gives back to people in coffee-producing areas who provide our wonderful beans. So hit the friendly skies. And get you a cup of joe courtesy of Community Coffee, which was founded in 1919 by a fellow named Cap Siraj. And it started in Baton Rouge. And it has now been run by four generations of this Siraj family. The company works directly with farmers around the world to hand-select exceptional coffee beans that create its whole bean, ground, single-serve, and ready-to-drink products. Community Coffee is sold In retail stores and online, it's also served in restaurants across the South, hotels, and a whole bunch of other businesses. And as we just told you, you can find Community Coffee on the 
airplanes of Southwest Airlines. And since I want to brag about community coffee, I better also brag about another coffee brand that's been around a long time that has a connection to the South, and that is Maxwell House. As I think it got its start in Nashville. And unless they've changed it, I do believe Maxwell House coffee is what you find when you go into a Waffle House. They have Maxwell House brand coffee available for you to enjoy your cup of joe. And lastly here with a quick story that I have to get through because frankly it's a little gross. A man in Virginia has been called a sociopath after his neighbors forced him to do something extraordinary to try to keep the neighborhood dogs from peeing on his lawn. So Eric Wang got so darn fed up with his neighborhood dogs coming and doing their business that he decided to get a little proactive there in the Lion Village neighborhood in Arlington, Virginia. So what did he do? He decided to install what's called Japanese U's, Y-E-W-S. And those things were installed to repel dogs from coming and depositing stuff in his yard. And he bought these Japanese U's for $300 a piece. And he also put in what's called scat mats. These are plastic mats that you put down on the ground. They have prickly pieces, according to Wang, designed to make it uncomfortable for dogs and cats and other animals to walk on. So he did all this, again, to protect his own neighborhood, his own lawn. And now some of the people are very, very upset with him doing this. And they don't want this in their neighborhood. I guess they just want to go have their lovely canines and felines. I guess it's more canines. Just dump it all over this guy. And he, he'd had enough. And if you're a homeowner that you don't want every dog in the neighborhood coming by and squatting on your lawn, then you might want to do something like this guy did. But his neighborhood calling him a sociopath after a dog pee problem erupted in his northern Virginia neighborhood. Wish him well. Wish him well. And I can truthfully say I have walked my own dog on streets before, and my dog has done its business in someone's yard and I should not have done it. And frankly, I feel guilty about it. I still feel guilty and over it's been over 20 years, but I shouldn't have done that in somebody else's yard. This was before they started coming out with those little plastic baggies you can walk along with and scoop it right up. So I, I, I feel for this gentleman in Virginia and I apologize for what I did to that neighbor many, many years ago for having my great canine, a, a little tiny canine, frankly, so it wasn't that noticeable, maybe his after effects. <laughs> but nonetheless, I should have should have done better. I should have been a better Southerner. Not exactly my finest hour. The Y'all Show is going to come right back, and I'll tell you what's on tap the rest of the week on the show that's all about the South. You don't want to miss this preview of what's ahead, and we'll do that as we wrap up this Getting the Week Started edition. Talk with a 
My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. I was 15 when my daddy's old man Called me halfway through my first beer He laughed so hard when my face turned green He said you come from a long line Of sinners like me Now me and my brother Go to see him sometimes But he don't have much to say anymore So we sit on his headstone With the feet of Jack B Here's to a long line Of sinners like me la di da di da la di da I come from a long line Of sinners like me Final segment, let me give you a quick kind of glancing over of what's My mama in store had a soft the week for going forward here on the show that covers all so things other. Of course, we encourage you just like to chime in let us hear from you. You've got a suggestion, it takes comment, an angel good bad. To raise you a criticism, family. I'll take that right here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Easy. A you can get like touch with me. this. Text well, maybe who knows one day I'll settle down. Coming up on the Tuesday show, we have a quick look and at when news across the southeast. The Arkansas Razorbacks and the West Virginia Mountains will be going to Fayetteville. We'll be going to Morganton. That is part of our coverage on our Tuesday Y'all show. Plus, more coaches audio coming from both the SEC and ACC media days. We'll have that right here for you on our Tuesday Y'all show. Plus, we'll also have a Southern accent on the arts and entertainment world. Part of our report on Tuesday, plus a super duper added value bonus. Our Southern political report will be filed as part of our Tuesday Y'all show coverage. Coming up on the Wednesday Y'all We have more sports. Wake Forest is our featured school on Wednesday. A look at Southern culture also as part of the fun on our Wednesday Y'all show. We'll have a Southern business report, a Southern book report, and we'll also have as part of our continuing coverage of all things Southern, we'll have a quick look at headlines from across the Southeast. Coming up on Thursday, It will be more of the Y'all Show trip across the Southern College football landscape. We'll be previewing the Texas Tech Red Raiders on our Thursday Y'all Show. Plus, our entertainment report, we've got something special that we'll be putting along in our Thursday Y'all Show.
We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.